Welcome to Ask of Expert, brought to you by the team at Vexit.com. Our bi-weekly series is the podcast helping business owners, managers, and professionals thrive in the world of modern work. Here's this week's host, Polly Craig. Hello, everyone. I'm super excited to be joined by Michael Juice, a business consultant with Prairie Sky Strategy. And today, we're going to explore the art of communication in a polarized world. Some say that we've never been more strongly divided in terms of our viewpoints. But is that true? And even when passions run high and viewpoints clash, we're going to explore how we can remain respectful and productive. Michael is bringing us his wealth of knowledge in public affairs, government relations, and he is involved in advocacy for numerous organizations across a broad range of industries. We actually kept on talking after we ended our recording where he shared some real value for you. So we're going to include it, just pardon the rawness of it. Remember, you can get the show notes that include links to all the books and other reading material that we are recommending at vexit.com forward slash podcast. And we hope to hear from you. You can email us direct, uh, myself and our team at podcast at vexit.com. Michael, we're thrilled to have you with us. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Really looking forward to it on this nice, cold uh, winter's day in Winnipeg here. So looking forward to a, a warm conversation on a cold day. So why don't we just warm it up? You know, polarization, uh, we hear the term often these days, especially having uh, seen the U.S. election come through where you have people with opposing views and, and, and how they use passion to express themselves. Today, we're going to take it more into the workplace and talk about, you know, businesses as we grow them. We employ different people who may have opposing views. We talk about diversity and and other important things in our workplace. Can you just kind of frame up how you see polarization in the work that you do to start us off? Yeah, great question and great place to start is I think this has never been more top of mind and the ground is sort of shifting beneath our feet, if you will. And I think case in point of uh, it's the Monday after the Super Bowl. And I don't know if you caught, but uh, Jeep, for example, their Super Bowl ad um, was meeting in the middle of America. I just watched this morning where they had Bruce Springsteen meeting in the middle and a message of kind of coming together and finding that common ground. And I think that's really important of, I guess, to go to a 30,000 foot level of a lot of times, I think these conversations, I won't say get stuck in the weeds, but I think we can all agree on a few principles and a few things we all agree on. And we all want to see um, a better, more healthy community, province, country, and things like that. And we may have differences of opinion on how we get there. But I think the end goal and the end vision we all have is very likely aligned. So I think in a lot of cases, it's maybe elevating that conversation, asking a few questions and kind of getting to that common ground, which I think we all have at some level and just moving it in that direction. Well said. And, you know, I can just imagine the visual on that. So let's go down that path a little bit and talk about, you know, in the workplace where you have opposing views. In today's day and age, we tend to consume what we believe in and what we understand in by listening to or being fed things that really reinforce what our beliefs are and not necessarily feeding up to us based on our interests of an opposing view. So how do we then open our mind to understanding other people's points of view versus just focusing on our own? 
Yeah, another great question. I think for this one, opposing points of view or different points of view of, again, the internet's allowed us to go out and find like-minded groups and organizations, but also um, in your social media feed, follow some other people who maybe have a different point of view. Um, We're doing a podcast today, find some different podcasts and different points of view and just mix that into, I guess, your daily reading or even your conversations. Have that reach out, I guess, a cup of virtual coffee nowadays um, with someone who may have a different viewpoint or someone you strongly disagree with and have a conversation. We're all, we're all human at the end of the day. And we're all, I think much more similar than um, we sometimes gets cast of these large divisions of, again, that commonality I think exists in everyone where we want to see the same things, but to use yeah, some of the existing tools, I think on the internet, social media, where you're maybe following people you're a really big fan of, find some opposite voices and start paying some attention to them to get kind of a broader depth and scope. Interesting. It's different when you're on social media as an example. Sometimes you're more in listening mode and not doing interacting. You know, you're scrolling through the images, you're reading what people's opinions are. How do we go from that to actually having conversations and expressing views and listening to other people's views that's two-way conversation versus one-way? Yeah, that's a great point on sometimes we're just taking in information instead of instead of providing or engaging. And I think a great way to engage and at the base of it is um, great conversations a lot of times is great questions of to ask questions of how the person arrived at that position or other questions just to dig a little deeper and find out their background, um, where they're coming from. And really a, a great conversation can start from great questions. And there's plenty of yeah people you can listen to out there and a great advice on that. And I think you can learn in unexpected places. Uh, someone who's been a big influence in my life, and I think a lot of people's lives is their mother. And my mother recently retired um, is a physician. And she's a fascinating person to have a conversation with as a lot of their role and job is asking questions of someone on where the pain points, where the issues are and stuff like that. And so maybe take it off social media and don't have to tweet back and respond right away. But yeah, connect with someone or an organization that um, you find interested in or an interesting point of view and ask them how they arrive there and just dig a little deeper and yeah, build off some good questions to start with, I think. Well, and also sometimes I think we assume that people have the same viewpoint that we do uh, because we may work in the same company doesn't necessarily mean that we share the same views. So if we take it to a company setting, what role can the leadership play? How do you handle when you have opposing views or people that don't have a shared belief in something? It doesn't have to be political. It could be cultural. It could be many number of things. Can you share with us how you would help somebody in a business leadership role bring people together who have opposing opinions? Yeah, great, great question there. And just as you introed it there of that, I think is also something that's, again, the ground shifting underneath our feet where the information and the news sources, everyone is different nowadays of my Twitter feed of, I think it's pretty common that people still watch the six o'clock news and read the daily newspaper, but there's so many other sources of information out there. That's all really shifted in the past couple of decades. And um, a scene I really like um, from the Netflix uh, show, the, the crown to jump to there. There's a 
fascinating scene I find of it's set in the 1980s where they have the opposing uh, media communications people for sort of the queen and the prime minister both waiting for the daily newspaper at sort of two in the morning to see what the headline says where that's different now of probably every single employee is reading different things looking at different things so um, when it comes to that in your workplace and your business um, I think is to have some of those open conversations get people together um, and sort of I don't say you have to have no agenda, but very broad, open-ended, and it's much more a conversation and let people uh, share their experiences, where they're coming from, where their information is, and leave it um, very open-ended, a very safe place to have that conversation so everyone can be heard and they can share some of their experiences. I think that's a great point you raised of, I don't think this is, there's no two people that are like no two people are reading the same thing anymore, getting their information from the exact same places. If everyone's Twitter feed looks different, everyone's Googling different things. So everyone's getting different viewpoints. One of the uh, articles that I read and we'll put it in our show notes to go along with this was uh, it's called managing a team with conflicting political views. It's a Harvard business review article and it has some really good examples of, you know, what leadership needs to do in a company because, you know, we hear about mission, vision, and values, but the values piece of it, a lot of times we hear about diversity and respect and, and uh, inclusion within our organizations. So setting that stage with a, a, a high level of values and then actually putting it into action so that people know that, you know, what is inclusion? What is diversity? How do we manage it when we have conflicting views? And get it on the table, how we can have those conversations and put a framework around it. Can you dive into that a little bit on how you can actually structure and communicate within an organization? Great question again. And I think the the values, it's interesting of that then translates into the virtues or they have to be demonstrated as well. And I think that's never been more front of mind for employers and businesses everywhere where you've seen, and this is again, probably uh, coming out of the US a bit more where it makes headlines, but you've seen workers, I won't say stage, but voice very strongly their views on their company's um, technology being used by government or being used in certain areas. So it's definitely, I think if it hasn't happened yet, doesn't mean it won't happen with your business where someone, um, an employee will step up and say, hey, this is a big issue. What is, what do we think about that? And I guess I would encourage you yeah, business owners to start thinking about that if they're not already is just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it can't happen. And um, you referenced, yeah. Um, Harvard Business Review. And while I'm not familiar with that article, they do have some great information and reading out there. There's one I really like and uh, a great book out there for folks if they're looking for one in this sort of area, um, Political Risk, which is one of the co-authors is the former U.S. Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice. And it goes through some case studies of businesses and what can kind of happen if you're, I will say, yeah, not careful or aware of these things. And they sort of start with um, SeaWorld, actually, as an example of, if you remember about a decade ago now, the do- the Blackfish documentary really um, kind of shot for a few thousand dollars, sort of flipped the company entirely on its head. And just in a more connected, globalized world with social media where information travels so fast, these things can crop out of nowhere. And so be prepared to have your values and then be cognizant of how your organization's acting and demonstrating it. And just be prepared of, yeah, it could come at at a moment's notice from a a place you don't expect. Um, Another 
anecdote, I guess, or share or story out there is, again, out of the U.S., of you've seen some large organizations just with some state level labor laws even um, kind of make massive changes to their workforce or kind of shift just on something on like equity, um, employment equity rules and stuff like that, um, which kind of can come at a moment's notice if you're um, not really paying attention or careful. So I would just say that is, yeah, it's, it's something to keep an eye on out for. Have you seen any uh, tools that people use? I was reading something and for our organization at Vexit, one of the tools that we use is Slack for posting information. We have different channels so that people can weigh in. And in one of the things I was reading related to our discussion today was a way for employees to learn from each other. You know, if they have opinions, they can post articles on it to back up what their thoughts are. And it really started in allowing for conversation for people to be open-minded and respect other people's views, even though they don't share them. Have you come across that where people have used technology to help bridge that gap? Yeah, it's maybe not Slack or Teams or we're all for the most part, really working virtually still a lot of people, which again, I think has just magnified the challenge of people are at home. They're not seeing their colleagues day to day, that water cooler wisdom or that cup of collective coffee is not really happening anymore. So encouraging that. And um, maybe it's a lunch and learn to some degree or um, a lunch and share or have those sort of forms or opportunities for employees to yeah share some of the things that are on their mind, what their concerns are. Yeah, it can almost guarantee that no two people in the organization will be reading the exact same information and news. And so um, whether it's through Slack or Teams or having some of those open channels or just discussion areas, I think are great to have in your organization. Well, I think so. And then when you take it deeper, as companies grow, uh, become larger, you have to take other things into consideration as far as policies and environment, social and governance issues, and really taking a stand on how you are moving and what you're committed to, how you're committed to growing your business going forward. And we all know that people want to be part of something. It doesn't mean that they have to share the same view or opinion or be of the same uh, political understanding or believe in, well, who knows where what that's going to be, but they do want to follow an, or, an organization and be part of something. At what point do companies work with you? Before we had our discussion, you touched on a couple of things where you've had some experience where organizations bring you in to help them. They may have a product that they're starting to grow. So it's more on the actual business side product of itself and not necessarily on the cultural side, but where do those two kind of come together? Yeah, as when when a business, some, all, the, all the time I'll say are out there innovating, looking to do things different, do new things, bring new products to market of sometimes by the nature of what they're looking to bring to the market. That's just a, a new area for government, let's say, or it's a new area for everyone, quite frankly, if it's that new an innovation. So um, sometimes that's where um, a company or organization will engage us is to help them as a lot of cases, it's a, it's a new area for everyone, for government, and then for regulators. 
of how do they regulate this new product. And I think there's a lot of very public examples over the past decade. You look at uh, the Airbnb, for example, or Uber, of these new innovations and new technologies and new ways of doing things coming to market. A lot of them, I think, have ended up in the headlines for the wrong reasons. As Again, it's a very heated uh, debate of, yeah, a lot at stake there of both sides of the table usually. Working with companies and organizations on a, a good fact-based, what is the organization trying to bring to market? And, and typically, it's something that I think we can all agree with. That we want ways of doing things better, simpler, cheaper, faster. So that's part of our work is working with those smaller startups or companies that are growing, bringing new products, innovation to market, and then helping them um, with the communication to government. I understand that you work with various provinces in different levels of, of governments as well. So keeping up on what's changing internally within each of the governments and how that affects the business has got to be a, a big undertaking if companies try and do it on their own. Yeah, so a lot of our day-to-day um, is a lot of research, um, reaching out, and as I guess we like to say, um, gathering insights and information um, on sort of where the where the winds are blowing as it's a, it's a cold, windy day in Winnipeg here, to draw that analogy. But it's something that I think, again, of where organizations, individuals, as we kind of started of are polarized and we maybe think are very a part of a lot of times um, your business's goals are probably closely aligned to government in some area. You probably want to create jobs, hire more people. And that's music to, I think, just about every government's ear who wants to have more people working no matter um, what province or political stripe kind of thing. So working with companies to get their message across the government and find those common areas of, I think, um, you'd be surprised as I think there is so much commonality when we go to that sort of level of, I guess I'll paraphrase, maybe not direct quote, I think former Prime Minister Paul Martin, I think said it quite well of a lot of times we're not debating whether we should have taxes or not. It's debating the level of taxation or which taxes to change. So a lot of times there may be a government policy or a change or direction that you don't totally agree with, but at some level, your business, there is probably quite a bit of alignment with government in some of those areas. Not that we want to get into politics and all of that, but it is related to our discussion. When you have governments that change, you know, parties change, leadership changes, but you have this base of policy that that is there that needs to be nurtured and, and developed and continuing moving forward. How do businesses adjust? You know, think about COVID and what the businesses have gone through there and trying to keep up with how they're being affected. How can they move forward and have a voice to get their message across in areas that they might be falling through the cracks? Well, it's, I think, great that you referenced, and it really is, uh, to use the, the term again, which I don't think stayed in 2020 of unprecedented, but that private partnership with government and COVID of you saw businesses stepping up, producing PPE and so many other different areas of, I really don't think there's been a better time for a business to reach out and to engage in government with that message again of how can we help? I think, again, we all want safe, healthy communities, uh, safe Manitobans. And so what product or service does your business maybe offer that's government is maybe isn't looking at right now or could help government with a challenge you see but I think you're going to find a very receptive ear as the whole crisis I think has shown that um, not any government business nonprofit has all the answers that it does need um, people working together in partnership and I think the the COVID crisis it was great to see so many businesses step up in so many different aspects and ways and there is some momentum there that I think can be built on um, 
into your business or um, your areas of interest, there is probably a need out there or a gap that can be filled. And I encourage you to explore that. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. And just taking it back, you know, when we started having our discussion, we were talking a little bit more just about, you know, how we develop healthy workplaces so that people that have various opinions and and ways of views of looking at things. One thing that we didn't get into was you have a culture and you have a business and then you have all of these things that control us that, you know, we have to live by certain rules. How do we communicate best given that we are still in COVID and we don't have the round the water cooler we don't have the face-to-face with our people and you have groups of people that are having their own discussions and being pulled away through social media and other things. How can businesses best bring people together? Does that start at the top for them to communicate with their people? Have you seen where people put in weekly communication pieces? How does the communication piece come into play when it means growing your business in a new world? I think the uh, the first kind of common or thought um, that comes there on the communication side of a business is to keep it really simple. Just as there's more diverse ways to access information and read things, I think it's harder than ever to kind of, I won't say cut through the noise, but to really keep your message simple. If you're at a senior level in a large organization, you're probably yeah, discussing with colleagues again at that senior level and probably getting towards a consensus viewpoint on a lot of areas. And to get that message out to the rest of the organization or to others that to really keep it clear and concise and simple who've maybe not heard it for the first time and are all, yeah, taking a ton of messages in at all different times. So the simpler you can kind of keep it, I think is valuable in any communication, whether that's internal, external to government or other stakeholders that to keep it clear and specific, as I think a lot of times, and again, a, a challenge of COVID of all of us working from home or being apart is probably not as much that water cooler discussion and dialogue again, as, as you put it well, that to keep it, keep it quite simple, because this could often be the first time they're hearing it. So to not make it overly complex and get to those basics of what message or what are you trying to get across vision wise or culturally of to make it really short and concise. There was another book that I had looked at and it's called The Righteous Mind. Have you, I don't know if you've heard of, of this book, but it's by Jonathan Haidt. And as America descends deeper into polarization and paralysis, social psychologist Jonathan Haidt has done the seemingly impossible, challenged conventional thinking about morality, politics, and religion in a way that speaks to everyone, regardless of their personal beliefs. His groundbreaking research on moral psychology shows how moral judgments arise not from reason, but from gut feelings. So often we're making decisions based on knowledge that we've gone out and found. But often when we're in unprecedented times, as we said, 
It's the gut feelings that we have to go with. When we're absent from the people around us and we're relying on Zoom and other other ways, how can we keep check on how the morale of people are doing? I'm not familiar with the book, but it's funny. I did actually put it down over the weekend as as came across as, uh, as one I'll have to dive into as, yeah, the keeping morale up of, and I think important of this pandemic is, probably underlined, I think, again, all these commonalities that we all want to be healthy and just to be respectful. Again, if you don't know anyone's personal experience like myself, knock on wood, I've been very fortunate. I haven't even had to have gone for testing yet. And I think that's in the minority, fortunately, where um, I've been good and been healthy. And as, yeah, we've seen it, the virus spread of, I think I'm, I'm one of the few there that can say that. So just as you're not aware of what everyone's reading information wise, you're not aware of how the past year's gone for them. Just start the conversation, add a couple extra minutes to ask how they're doing, what's new with their world of, yeah, maybe it's looking at the same set of four walls as everyone else, but um, just, yeah, reach out on kind of a human level um, before you get into sort of your business topic or the topic of the day and just have that little mental health check in as just as, again, you don't know on the communication lens of what they're taking in information wise, you don't know what they're experiencing. They might be um, teaching kids at home um, or they might be caring for an elderly parent. So just that human connector and that level again, where we're all, we're all similar at the end of the day, I think. So can you share with us just, obviously we're, we're working from home these days, but in a, a normal, whatever that world looks like, what is, you're going to have a great day today. What is Michael doing in that day that looks like the best day ever? Best day ever is having great conversations like this. I think anytime um, you get to do that and, truly yeah I, I think I got one of the luckiest jobs in the world to get to do what I get to do every day and work with different businesses and organizations and help work with them on their message their communication on exciting stuff that they're excited to share with the world and then share with government as a lot of our work is government relations so it's helping organizations interface and interact with government so that will include some research some reading some great conversations it's a joy um, every day to get to do diverse things with companies, organizations that all want to make a better province, a better country, a better community. And sharing that message with others, is, it's a privilege to get to do that every day. Well, I'm sure you're impacted too. You know, we have things like the New West Partnership, which would impact it kind of is a bit of a struggle when we have a buy local, but we are obligated to give expressions of interest or RFPs across uh, provinces. And then we've got the U.S. election that just happened. Can you just shed a little bit of light on on what role do you play? Do you help businesses in maneuvering the changes that that take place that we don't control? Yeah, great, great question. And I guess one way we like to frame it is um, maybe acting as, I guess, a, a bit of a bridge maybe. of uh, There's maybe some choppy or difficult water you're not sure how it's going to play out. So helping them gather that information inside of government, the direction it's going. Um, our firm is headquartered in Calgary and our firm's roots, actually a lot of work is back in the energy sector as we've seen a huge change in the past decade and are going to see a huge change in the decade ahead of that transition of oil and gas and some of these other kind of traditional energy methods to the new greener methods, especially in Alberta, um, not so much Manitoba, where we've always had kind of clean, green power. So helping yeah, businesses get a bit of a sense or a pulse of some of these changes. Um, as you referenced, yeah, the New West Trade Partnership coming in effect the past couple of years, sort of affecting 
anyone sort of doing business in Western Canada, I think by and large, but the U.S. election as well, I think, and it's going to be quite, quite interesting of obviously a, a new administration a month into it. But some of these trends, which I think we saw under former President Trump, aren't going away too, too quickly. Um, Buy America, for example, is a great one sort of thing. Um, yeah, we, we don't have anyone in Washington, D.C., so not so much federal work, but even just some insights and analysis of that and then helping um, businesses navigate of more of the sort of domestic waters um, than international waters for our firm right now. But that's a lot of yeah our day-to-day. Speaking of Alberta, they've been through so much And now we don't know what's going to happen with the pipeline decision. You know, you have to be really ready on all fronts. And then taking it back to business where you have, you know, environmental concerns, people have very strong opinions in those areas, yet you're going to have companies who are working in that industry and you're going to have employees that have very strong beliefs in both sides and the middle of that equation. So, setting up the ability for people to respect each other's views and and giving them uh, a way that they can communicate and setting the tone to say, you can have your own view, be open and understand others to really understand why other people have a differing view. Very well said. As that environmental area, um, as we've seen the past couple of years, is only going to accelerate. And the, the passion is very, very high there is um, the Alberta context. I think of the last report I saw in late December from RBC, their provincial economic outlook or forecast of that was looking at close to a 10% GDP hit or reduction in Alberta in 2020, where every province was affected. And I think Manitoba, we're, we're quite lucky of Manitoba in the middle of, I think we're going to be I believe us and PEI from that report in December, I think forecasted to be the only two provinces to kind of get our economies back to the same size in 2021 as they were in 2019. So that's important too. If your business is operating across borders, um, the local realities are, are different for people in different communities, whether it's in rural urban split perhaps, but yeah, the, the passion in the energy sector. And I think it's great that people bring that passion to the conversations. And I think that shows that again, yeah, they, they care about it and everyone's invested in it, but that recognition again of, yeah, we're not going to agree on everything. Most likely it's, it's human. It's natural. We have differences kind of thing. I like my coffee black. I like the Calgary flames. Um, we're, we're all different, but that we are all human at the end of the day and having that good respect for dialogue and just, yeah, well said. Well, maybe you can't be a Calgary flames fan tomorrow. Cause I believe we have a game against the Winnipeg jets. <laughs> Yeah, I was careful of that divulging of yeah, I'm a very Flames fan um, living in Winnipeg. But uh, yeah, well, maybe I should have slipped that at the start of the conversation. But no, that we can have yeah, r- respectful conversations of people with differing. And I guess I'm playing late on the sports factor. But no, if you, you do have, I think, commonality with just about anyone out there. And this pandemic's maybe underscored it more than anything else. So, um, health, safety, um, the wellness of your family is something that everyone cares about and is passionate about as I said, your business and government, you may oppose or not agree with some measures government taking, but at the end of the day, you probably want to grow and create jobs. And I can almost guarantee that's a message government wants to hear and be interested in hearing more about. So finding that commonality, those common planks, um, I think if yeah, you look and maybe take it above the weeds, you can find that area and find that common bond. Well, I think, you know, a saying that, that we've heard over and over again is seek first to understand And we all have opinions, but we do have to understand other people's opinions and respect them. So to continue to go down that path of making the effort, because it takes every 
opinion to make the world go round. And I've changed my mind on several things when I get into a good discussion and understand other people's side of the equation. I can be swayed. I want to take the bait there and talk about persuading you to be a Calgary Flame fan, but maybe take it in a different direction. But no, I I think that keeping an open mind of, um, there's a really good quote I like from um, Peter Thiel, and I may be paraphrasing a bit, but where he says or uses of acceptance and denial are two, I shouldn't say dangerous states of mind, but at those areas, if you're outright just accepting it 100% or denying it 100%, there's really no sort of room for improvement or critical thought of that as much as possible. Yeah. Listen, keep an open mind, hear what the other side's saying. As I like that quote a lot, I've been thinking about it more of that. Um, if you're just absolutely accepting it's 110% or if you're absolutely going, nope, they're off by 110%. I said, yeah, keep an open mind. Listen, there's, there's a few facts like the sky is blue and I won't say the Calgary flames are the best hockey team as an absolute fact, but that open mind and listen as too often you can get kind of stuck in a rut and tune out others. Is there anything that you can share with us that we haven't covered today that you think would be of value to our audience? No, this is, this has been an absolute pleasure and no, I hope uh, the audience has enjoyed it as well as these topics. I think we're quite fortunate in Canada. I've uh, born and raised, lived here my whole life and I think we're, we're quite fortunate. And yeah, I, I just go back to about a month ago of seeing the U.S. Capitol. And I've been to Washington several times. And to see that kind of, I hate to say that where it, where it goes at its worst kind of thing of polarization and not listening to others and not finding that common ground of, we're quite fortunate in Canada that we're not there. But to reach out to, yeah, American friends, neighbors, have that conversation, have that conversation with other people who you maybe don't agree with totally. And yeah, to keep going with the conversations. And I guess I'll finish with, yeah, the old saying of, yeah, you have two ears and one mouth of, yeah, maybe it's a good time to listen a bit more than speak. Somebody listening to this says, oh, that guy's got the best job in the world. What advice would you give to that listener if they wanted to follow in your footsteps? I was going to say, maybe that's going to be start a debate or conversation on what is the best job in the world. Of <laughs> I, I should walk that back. Of, yeah, I guess if I was playing for the Flames or the Jets tomorrow, that'd be a, a pretty great job too. But no, I think for my advice to anyone out there, any young person is just to, it sounds cheesy, I guess, but uh, the old work hard adage and I'll maybe bridge it to just as we're the Monday after the Super Bowl. And you may not, aren't a big Tom Brady fan, but I think we can all admire him. And I don't know if uh, listeners may be caught, but I really enjoyed and uh, was still sharing the story of the first playoff game this year where the opposing team's quarterback through COVID-19 and some other circumstances ended up playing in a playoff game against Tom Brady. And he shared a story about being new to the New England Patriots organization and his first day with the organization. And he was going to be the first guy there and kind of wow everyone and show he was a hard worker. And he pulled up to the stadium and there was one car there. It was 5.15 in the morning and he went in and it was Tom Brady with multiple Super Bowl rings already sitting there watching game tape on a Monday uh, before everyone else. And I'm not saying, yeah, wake up at 5.15 and, but just that hard work of, I think a lot of, a lot of times what makes Tom Brady great, what makes um, anyone great in a lot of what they do is that, that hard work and passion and, the other quote would just leave with of one thing to keep in mind too of um, if you're exploring opportunities or ways of doing things, a quote I really like 
comes from the, yeah, the former mayor of New York, Michael Bloomberg, and I guess shares the same first name as me. So have some affinity for him, but I think in a commencement speech, I used the quote of uh, you put more than salary in the bank. So keep that in mind when it comes to opportunities and learnings and things you can do of at the end of the day, you can take a lot from mentors in your organization or others. And yeah, if if there's someone you want to chat to reach out, I yeah, love to chat more. We, We could chat hockey, chat, whatever, but go out there, reach out and that there's a ton of great resources and people were friendly Manitoba. I think if you reach out and ask or be more than happy to take the time and share about their career path and their experiences. Well said. Thank you so much, Michael, for being with us today and we wish you all the best and go Calgary flames. Oh gosh. Yeah. That's uh, the best. (laughs) I think. Yeah. (laughs) I'm saying it, but I've got my jets Jersey on. It's been an absolute pleasure, and thanks for thanks for having me. And uh, it's it's been a treat. Thanks, Polly. Thanks, Mike. I think we got it. Yeah, I'm gonna have them cut out. There was, you know, some bloopers there that I kind of went on and on and on, but we can do that, and uh, we'll fix it up. No, no, thank you, and yeah, I appreciate it. Too. And hopefully, it's a some value. Yeah, as it's uh, you hate to use the word unprecedented again, but it's such a I saw that this morning and it uh, was a good little ad and kind of brought it home for the conversation of, yeah, Jeep Super Bowl ad in the U S was, I think Bruce Springsteen of meeting in the middle. And I should have probably tied in me Manitoba in the middle of Canada, but it was, I thought a good ad. Um, I don't know what the rest of the internet says, but of um, him spending some time at, I guess there is a chapel in the middle of the U S. So that is the geographic center of the U S and how it's important for us to yeah find that middle common ground. And, the scenes from Washington a month ago, it's just, yeah, hard, hard stopping. I, I couldn't turn away from the TV and. The yeah, work. I agree. We, the business that I sold five years ago, we worked, most of our clients were in the U S and they were large nonprofits. So we were in Washington a lot and, you know, you're so familiar with all those buildings and it, it's just, it's unbelievable. And we were the same, just, we couldn't stop watching it. Yeah. It's, I, I haven't read as much as I should, but I've seen some of his commentary of former President Obama, I think, made some interesting comments of, I think, say, thankfully, didn't go down that path of fake news and um, things in those areas. But yeah, it's at a, I hate to say, scary point where there's a good percentage, various polls, I won't put an exact number on it, of people who don't believe Joe Biden's the actual president. And if you can't agree on facts like that, like, how can you possibly govern and what happens to democracy? And it's a scary thread to kind of tug on if I'm always kind of glass half full. Um, But yeah, the sands really, I think, shifted in the past couple of decades here of incredible challenges for any leader of that. Absolutely. No, it's very true. We didn't go down the political route, but I know that you've done a lot of work there. It would have been interesting, actually, to talk about how you actually go about uh, building. It's like building a community when you're you're moving, changing people's opinions. They vote one way, the next election they vote here. And yes, you have policies, but there's this middle ground of really connecting. Uh, it's about the people and what their needs are and, and how you communicate that to earn their trust and in the end, their vote. Yeah, it's very well said. And there's a, a phrase I really like, it's a, his name escapes me, sorry, University of Michigan political science professor who I think coined the term window of opportunity. It can be from other areas too, or a replay of that. Yeah, you sort of need this beautiful 
kind of mix of the right politics, the right policy, the right programming, kind of all coming together, the right issues to make some of those large changes. And yeah, a lot of that is awareness, which can come from ways which a business maybe likes or doesn't like of the, yeah, the, the political risk on least race. Condoleezza Rice book is quite good um, in this kind of area, and I enjoy it. Yeah, they kind of go through some of these case studies of what what the worst cases or the the best cases. If you're not kind of talking to stakeholders, government, the community, and sort of sharing, as um, we like to say, that the worst time to ask for anything is the first time you meet someone. Typically, so to yeah build that relationship of they kind of mentioned SeaWorld as a worst case. It was interesting they mentioned a cruise line as sort of the best case of they go back to the hurricanes or tsunami story in Haiti and some cruise lines in the early days were just decimated in the media of why are they still doing cruises and the story changed like the next day where they had people from the local community saying they're bringing jobs employment they're bringing rescue supplies um, they're critical and you saw no one kind of stand up and do that for SeaWorld kind of thing and build that knowledge and awareness and sharing of um, all the positives with your local community and stakeholders and yeah I could, I could ramble about this all day kind of thing is it's, uh, it's, it's fascinating the intersection of all these different aspects, I guess. Yeah. The social and yeah, just how, how quickly the world changes now too, is just, I, I don't know. Maybe but I, it's a good, it's a good analogy too, because it's relatable. Like you, you often, because we're fed all of this information through other people's views and opinions that we tend to believe, but when you peel the onion and you, you talk to the source and you actually get to the root of things, your opinion is more pure when you're forming it yourself rather than just taking what somebody else is telling you. There's an interesting, and I think it's public in the Adam Grant originals book where he talks about, I can't remember the exact phrase, but some of the studies that show that you're more confident in your point of view than you think of even like some basic experiments, like you tapping out happy birthday of people are very, very confident in their point of view and abilities kind of thing. And I think that translates to, yeah, your message and your worldview that everyone thinks the same. And it's, yeah, I I don't know. The the Netflix documentary, the social dilemma is an interesting one. If you haven't seen it, it talks about, yeah, social media of it. It's yeah. Interesting of again, yeah, like how I gather even, I open up the free press or my globe and mail looks different from yours, most likely as the Absolutely. different articles and preferences. And even that, if I should probably yeah, just PDF out their hard copy every day, but even I don't say it's scary, but yeah, like it's <laughs> the newspaper I read looks different from yours, most likely. Well, it's true. And, and, you know, we have uh, two young adult children that are home due to COVID that are actually living elsewhere and going to university so the conversations have been really great, but it's interesting over a number of years of them being away, they've got their own views and opinions, but have either of us really taken the time, and they're opposing, but have we taken the time to actually learn why we have those views? And so we've had really great conversations that never would have taken place probably if we hadn't been under the same roof for a year and taking the time to have those conversations. So it's been a real good learning experience. And that's why this topic to me was really relevant because I'm I'm just going, wow, you know, I got to do, I've got to look at things a little different and not believe everything that's being fed to me because, you know, the algorithms know that I'm interested in that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And I don't know, it was one of my resolutions to spend less time on social media, but I hate to say it's tough. Like even the Capitol Hill event there of, 
the newscasts are saying this is from Twitter, so we're not 110% sure yet, but they're going to Twitter for their breaking news and information, some of this. But yeah, that's the Peter Thiel quote. That's I, I find him a fascinating thinker, and he's obviously been uber successful and billionaire many times over, but um, his zero to one book and some of his other writing and work I find super interesting. But that quote, um, I jotted it down, and um, that acceptance or denial of, I think he goes as far as say dangerous states of mind of if you're flat out accepting of, I guess that gets to, yeah, the, the facts and what are the real facts and believing who the president is, is, is a Joe Biden. It's a fact, but that if you're in that space of that, it's, um, he, he, I think pulls on a little further of goes, it's not really active or constructive. You're not looking to build or change or get better. It's kind of just, yeah. Um, I don't know, gas powered cars are the best kind of car in the world. And that's it. We've accepted it. Like that's electric cars won't work and it's not how society moves forward or people. And so, yeah, it's, we could go on forever. Yeah. You know, one last, what we'll probably end up doing is we'll probably cut this into the podcast. <laughs> so that's good. Because it's the the best part of podcasts is it's actual conversation. And I don't know, just out of interest sake, have you uh, been invited to join Clubhouse yet? Yeah. New app? Yeah. Um, the Clubhouse, I should poke around it a bit more, to be honest. Um, I was going to reference actually of the businesses and how things change of that Conley's race, political risk is a, a real good book, but even it's turned off about BNN, but this morning of the last week, if you're GameStop or one of these Reddit day traders of, and then the industry as a whole, how do you respond to that? Um, but yeah, the, that, and I guess, um, I never went or looked on, but, uh, there was parlor there for a time and these other, yeah. And, but it's interesting of that one again, of, yeah, the kind of less open invite only. Yeah, yeah but once once you're in there though, the con- it, what what I love about Clubhouse is that it's just pure conversation, and so you have people talking, and it's all audio only, and you can't record it, and you have a platform for people to have their their own opinions and views, and you have a moderator, and so it really is opening up this pure communication environment for people to have opinions, voice their opinions, learn from others, and, you know, hopefully use it for good uh, rather than for bad purposes, which often some things tend to go that way and they haven't monetized it yet and who knows where it's going to go. But um, I'm finding it fascinating. That's that's awesome. I'll have to yeah, look look deeper and yeah, I probably should reference it a few more times, but it's I don't know who originated, but the the two uh, ears, one mouth, I think is, yeah, never kind of been more apt of it's, it's quick. You can jump on Twitter and kind of use your mouth, I guess, kind of thing um, easier than ever, but no, that's, that's interesting of, yeah. And this ground, like the the big tech, the shifts, I don't say the shifts that are seen, but the, I guess could have tugged on this with just government of, I guess, again, yeah. If you're, if you're not careful and having the conversation and kind of keeping aware your antenna up of what's going on out there, we'll end up like Google now in Australia and coming to Canada soon, probably talking about perhaps pulling, um, well, Australia, they made that public of talking about, yeah, pulling Google from Australia, but that conversations on our shores sooner rather than later, I think. And yeah, um, they probably don't need to listen to me just read the Connelly's Rice book because it is quite good. And there is a HBR article too on it that kind of goes through at a high level and it's much more macro and multinational kind of level than the stuff we play in quite frankly, which is Western Canada. We do have an Ottawa office, so not as much kind of international, but yeah, these, these global trends and the shifts in the wind and the sand, if they're not careful, it can, it can come quick. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, we'll include that book in our show notes so that people can can see it as well. Yeah, I, I, I don't get a commissioner cut or anything like that, but uh, yeah, no, that, that is a very an interesting one. I think on, as the title implies, political risk of yeah, they have some great kind of case studies of sorry, the United Airline as well in the U.S. where that passenger got dragged off and it was kind of videotaped of just threw them into crisis mode and where they had kind of no communication plan at first. They just kind of said that's our policy. It was oversold and like their stock price got hammered and just yeah, it's interesting of these things can come social media reddit absolutely yeah and the stock price so yeah yeah no that was a good example with the uh with the um short sellers as well and the uh reddit and anyway thank you so much michael i appreciate this okay perfect perfect no thank you so much it's yeah it's been a joy thank you the ask of expert podcast is a production of exit and distributed globally by the sound off media company Looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man podcast. Join me, host Mike C, as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.